Welcome to Hot Flashes and Cool Topics, the podcast for women in midlife and beyond. At Hot Flashes and Cool Topics, we talk about anything and everything to do with midlife. My name is Colleen. My name is Bridget. Bridget and I get a lot of questions about midlife issues and menopause um, problems. And I would say one of the most requested topics besides weight loss is help me sleep. Sleep, sleep, sleep. I can't sleep. I need sleep. I'm up at 3 a.m. What can I do? So we decided to go to one of the experts on sleep to see if there are things that we can suggest our listeners do. And we invited Dr. Linnell Schneeberg on. And Dr. Schneeberg is a sleep psychologist. She's an assistant professor at the Yale School of Medicine and a director at the Behavioral Sleep Program at Connecticut Children's Medical. She has also written a book called Because your child sleep coach, the bedtime doctor's five step guide for ages three to 10. But she does not just talk about children. She is also an, um, an adult sleep psychologist and she uses cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia, helps adults sleep well. And she just, she talks all about it in the show, but she designs a whole sleep pattern, like a journal for you and really common sense things that we can do today to help us, as she likes to say, get rid of the dread of the bed. And it was oh, great, yeah. Bridget, wasn't it? It was just oh, so it was. It, it was. And, and it's just, you know, when you don't get a good night's sleep, that just sets you up for a bad day. That's what I found out, that found, have found in my life. If I don't sleep well, that has already started me up for a, a really bad rest of the day. So the sleep, and it seems like the older we get, sleep is so important. When we were in our late teens and 20s and our college years, we were out, you know, we would go out, whatever, get up, go to class, you know, and we would make it. We're not making it today. I'm not making it. I can't do that anymore. You know, and the quality of your sleep too is so important. And And she'll talk about that. Yeah. And she talks really interestingly about the fact that your deepest sleeps, you know, there's four cycles of sleep, but your deepest sleeps happen in the very beginning. So if you're getting that four, four and a half, five hours, I think she says like your meat and potatoes and your side, you're getting the most, the rest is kind of a lighter sleep. So if you wake up, but if you go to bed at 10 and you wake up at four, you're still getting a a good chunk of your needed sleep. So perhaps laying in bed for hours isn't the best idea. She also talks about having some things on the side of the bed that are not going to stimulate you, but actually relax you. I mean, really realistic things that you can do because again, and she says this too, the anxiety around sleep is your worst enemy. You're not going to get sleep. I mean, the dread of the bed, I thought, oh my goodness, because then you start to think about your mind's racing and it's hard to settle. So I found this to be so helpful. And I really hope our listeners, and I know that a lot of people in our group, our Facebook group, have asked questions about this. And I really hope that this is so helpful for you. Absolutely. And just as a reminder, guys, we are on our last day of the holiday giveaways, day 12. I cannot believe it has gone so quickly, but there is still time to enter and it is Poswell Aging Skincare, a skincare line Bridge and I both use. We love it. Uh, just go to our website, hotflasheskooltopics.com to find out how you can enter for our last day because the ninth will be the time we reveal the last winner. And it's been a blast as usual this year, our third oh, yeah. annual one. And while you're on the website, also check out our gift guide, which has over 30 pages of deals and steals from great items that you may want and can still get. 
for the holidays. Yes, absolutely. Yes. So we are going to let Dr. Schneeberg take over and explain to you how to get some healthy sleep. We hope you enjoy it and we'll talk to you after. So welcome back to Hot Flashes and Cool Topics. Today we have on Dr. Linnell Schneeberg. And this is a really important conversation, guys. And we got one of the best people in the field to talk about it. We're going to talk about sleep. And for women midlife and beyond, whether you are having sleep problems due to hormonal changes, due to anxiety and depression, or due to the fact that you had children a little later in life and you're still trying to sleep train a child, Dr. Schneeberg is going to explain it all to us. Welcome to the show, Linnell. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for the invitation. One of the often complaints that we receive from our listeners is that they can't sleep. Women all of a sudden are finding in midlife and beyond that they are getting that 3 a.m. wake up call. We're all used to having to go to the bathroom. That's a given that we're going to go at least once or twice. But all of a sudden we can't go back to sleep. What what's happening? Why are we becoming sleep deprived in midlife? Yeah, that's such a great question. So what often happens is we have an awakening, something, you know, we'll be a good sleeper, right? And, but maybe we're kind of a high achiever, or maybe we're a little bit of a perfectionist, or maybe we're kind of a type A, use whatever words you want to use. So we're, if you will, at risk for insomnia, but we don't have it yet. Then something comes along and maybe it's something stressful and maybe it wakes us at night. And that could be anything. That could be a work situation. It could be a family health situation. It could be a four-year-old that comes to your bedside. It could be anything, really. And then we're awake, and we don't really know why. We're not really sure why. And then that becomes sort of a negative experience, if you will, right? And then we tend to then do this, remember Pavlov, right? (laughs) Yes. We tend to start to really sort of associate our bed with some frustration, with some wakefulness, and even with what I call doing the math. Well, how long have I been asleep? How much sleep have I already gotten? How much time is left? Oh no, tomorrow's the presentation. This is not going to go well. And we start to really associate our bed with these negative thoughts, these worried thoughts. And then this pattern can actually become a bit of a grouped pattern that happens more often, right? And so you'll find yourself awake at 3 a.m. more often, more often until it's really kind of you're kind of stuck there in a way. And then the next thing that most people do is they say, oh, gosh, I'm losing sleep at night. So I'm going to go to bed earlier or I'm going to stay in bed later or on the weekend. I'm going to catch up. Okay, so people throw more time at this problem, if you will. That's I really understand why people do that, but it's actually it's actually not the best thing to do because then you have even more time in bed when you're awake. Because let's say you're a seven hour sleeper, okay? Um, most people are about seven hours. The sort of the bell curve of normal sleep time ranges from five hours to nine hours. Almost nobody only needs five and almost nobody needs nine. Most people need seven, seven and a half. Some people need eight, some people need six. So it varies by the person. But it is definitely true that if you're in bed nine hours and you're not a nine hour sleeper, you're signing up for wait time. You're signing up for it, right? And your body will either give it to you at the front end or in the middle. That's really dreaded, the dreaded time or at the end. You with me so far? Yes, Mm -hmm. absolutely. 
So if I'm going to work with someone, I use a really good therapy called cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia. People are very savvy about cognitive behavioral therapy. Usually cognitive behavioral therapy is used for weight loss, anxiety, depression, smoking, you name it. And it's also used for insomnia. And then when it's used for insomnia, it's a sort of abbreviated CBTI, right? Okay. CBT for insomnia. So from now on, I'm just going to call it CBTI. So the other one's kind of a mouthful. And what we do is we have someone log their sleep for two weeks. So I would meet with them. I would have them log their sleep for two weeks. Use a really simple log. Um, you can find it online. Uh, basically, all you do is got a box for every hour of the 24-hour day, and it's got two weeks of that. So it's got 24 boxes, you know, wide by two weeks long. And so tonight's Monday night, right? On Monday night, you would put a down arrow when you get in bed and an up arrow in the morning when you get out. And in between, if you were asleep, you'd color those boxes black or you'd leave them white if you were awake. So let's say I go to bed at 9.30, I put a down arrow. I fill this all out in the morning, by the way. I'm not okay. sitting there scribbling in the night, okay? <laughs> so, so in the morning, I would think to myself, okay, last night I went to bed at 9.30. I didn't fall asleep till about 11. I slept till about 1. I woke up, I went to the bathroom. I didn't fall back to sleep till about 2.30. I slept till 7. I got up at 7.30, okay? Okay. That person would have been in bed from 9.30 to 7.30, 10 hours, and they only slept that little two-hour chunk, right, and that little four-and-a-half-hour chunk. You with me? Mm, yes. Mm -hmm. So if I saw a pattern like that for two weeks, it would never be perfectly the same every night, but I would look for patterns of, wow, this person maybe is in bed too much, right? Then I would use a technique called sleep compression, which means I would add up sort of their average number of hours per night, and I would put them in bed closer to that number, right, okay. than, the, than the nine hours, okay? That's, that's technique number one. Okay. And so that's logging your sleep and then figuring out what your sleep window, that's what we call it, what your sleep window should be, job one. That alone will eliminate some long night wakings. Okay. A lot of women. Oh, go ahead. Oh, so would that mean like, so you said it was six, would you put them to bed later then? Would you say go to bed later or? I would pay attention to how, uh -huh. what they preferred. So okay. some people will say, I am so tired at 10. You can't, you can't make me go to bed later than 10. And I would say, yeah, great. And then they would say, I think I need about seven hours, you know, and we look at their logs and yeah, they get about seven hours. And then I might get them up at five. Which okay. a lot of people who go to bed at 10, they're, they're down for getting up at five, mm -hmm. right? But if they're more of a night owl, then I might, I might put them to bed later and get them up later like that. Okay. okay. But there's a lot of women who might be in bed. I meet a lot of women who are in bed like 10 to 7, right? That's nine hours, and they're not sleeping nine hours. So I shave, <laughs> right? I shave it down a little bit. It's called sleep compression. It's got a bunch of names. Sleep okay. scheduling, sleep compression. It's actually, some people call it sleep restriction, but I think that sounds kind of mean. So I call it sleep compression. Okay. And most people are willing to try it for a couple of weeks while they're working with me because, you know, they have sort of a sleep coach on their side. So that's technique number one. Technique number two is called stimulus control therapy. 
Okay. You unpack those words. Your bed is the stimulus that we're talking about here. And what is your bed is stimulus for? Another word for stimulus is cue or trigger. What is it cueing? What is it triggering? And if you're awake every night at one or two in the morning, a couple of hours, it's triggering something not good, right? It's triggering frustration and wakefulness and downloads of, you know, is my mom doing okay? And my boss is a pain and all that, you know, no one's lying awake thinking about how absolutely fabulous their life is. Okay. They're not, they're sort of scoping out, you know, as every woman does, what's, who's the least healthy person? How's everybody doing in my life? And so what I have you do instead is I have you have some things at the bedside that you find relaxing and distracting. I'll give you examples. Reading a book with a book light that doesn't bother your partner. Reading a book on an e-reader with it, the night setting, right? The black background and the white letters. Listening to a podcast that you enjoy with maybe one earbud in, you know, the ear that's up <laughs> on the pillow. Mm-hmm. Listening to an audiobook, working a crossword puzzle. And you're doing that to distract your mind from the download, from the frustration, from the fact that you're awake, and you're doing it until drowsiness catches you and takes you back down again. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes, yes. yes. So, but don't get on social media. Is that what you should not suggest that? Yeah. No work, no email, no social media, right? No news, heaven forbid. People watch the news in the middle of the night. Okay? They're... News, not good. Not no. So you don't want anything that's nightmares. No nightmares. Yeah. 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 I want you to. I call it a pleasant, distracting activity. Okay. Okay. Something calming, but will distract. Yes, and it can be a book that you kind of like. You know, people say, "Should I read the phone book?" Yes. A, there aren't any phone books anymore. (laughs) No, no, you should not read the phone book. That's too boring. Your brain will just dispense with that, right? It's got to be something kind of engaging and pleasant. And then drowsiness will grab you when you're not watching for it. Okay. What do you think about those apps like the Calm app? If they're in, these are smart women that listen to your podcast. Okay. The Calm app might not be interesting enough. If all the Calm app is doing is saying, take a deep breath, relax your feet. Okay. If that works for you, great. But if it doesn't, then I would use the story part of the call map, you know, the okay. stories. I find that for most smart women, it has to be a little bit more engaging than just a relaxation script, if you will. Okay, that's good to know. That's great advice. Matthew yes. McConaughey on the story time will put any woman to a happy sleep. <laughs> that will be sweet dreams, not nightmares. Yes. Very popular. <laughs> Cannot have a bad dream with Matthew McConaughey. (laughs) (laughs) And I digress. I know. I'm sorry. I digress. Go ahead. (laughs) You've got a fabulous voice and I vote yes to Matthew McConaughey. Okay, good. All right. So that's on the, that's on the pro list. We can do that. We can't watch the news, but we can listen to Matthew McConaughey. Yes, you may. Okay. Mm -hmm. Most women listening to this right now are going, okay. Okay, I will do it because, but when you said that about social media, um, I will see where certain people that I went to school with, uh, they'll say, I couldn't sleep last night, especially a woman my age. I couldn't sleep. I was up, it's 3 a.m. and they're on Facebook. And so, yeah, so I'll have to let them know, listen to this podcast. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, Facebook isn't all roses and kittens, right? It's like my husband's (laughs) sick and, you know, political things and yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. 
and other women who can't sleep. So now you're having right. So they're all now they're all there. Yes, <laughs> exactly. So that's a second try. The second different uh, chapter, I guess, or segment of cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia. Are there any others? Because those seem like really good suggestions. Yeah. Those are the two, I call them, those are the pillars. Okay, okay, those are the pillars. But then there's other things, which we all know as women of a certain age, you might be having hot flashes, right? You might be having temperature control issues. So another part of cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia is looking at your environment, right? What kind of pajamas are you wearing? What kind of bedding do you have? Is your room cool, you know, heatable and coolable, is that a word? You know, can you cool it off and can you heat it up? You know, again, do you have, do you need a fan by the bedside? Do you need really nice cold water? You know, what do you need to kind of keep yourself comfortable? And if you do have a hot flash, right, you would need to be able to manage that and then probably do a little distraction as well. So that's going to play a role. And then you have the environmental factors that have to do with your partner. Does your partner snore? Does your partner keep the same hours as you? Do you have a teenager who's awake until heaven knows when? Do you have a little one, right? So my own particular interest is kids three to 10 who are not great sleepers yet, right? So everyone knows about sleep training babies. You know, everyone has a different opinion on that. And so what I always say is I'll help you sleep train your child if co-sleeping is not working out for you, right? Some people have strong beliefs about co-sleeping. That's fine. I, I'm going to work with you if no one's getting very much sleep, you know, okay. kids are super restless sleepers. And if they end up in your bed, you know, you're going to have a foot to the head, you know, your partner might leave the bed and go sleep in the race car bed in your son's room, right? Like people are doing a lot of musical beds. And so if co-sleeping is not working for you, then, then I love helping people figure out how to help their kids sleep, go to sleep more independently and stay asleep all night. So I would work with someone on that piece too, of course. Mm -hmm. Because like you said, your partner might snore and things that bother my husband don't bother me. Sounds bother him. Our cat coming into the room bothers him. Our cat pawing at the door if we try to keep that cat out. But light bothers me. So yes, I cannot have any, like he had his computer plugged up and that light was just and I said, you got you to gotta get it out of here. Right. So, right. so perfectly yeah. put, the environment you like is not the environment your husband likes, right? Mm-hmm. And all that has to be taken into account. Yes, yeah. So the cat has to go way upstairs <laughs> where we can't well, Yeah. I mean, but similarly, my husband loves sleeping with the TV on and I hate it. So it's a question of me literally blocking the light from my eyes. I can't sleep with a mask, but I like pillows in front so I can't see the light. I don't think about variables that are there that, you know, and I was telling Bridget on our a recent episode that my night sweats have gotten horrible again. And it really is when you wake up in a cold sweat, because by then the night sweat has turned to a cold, it, you're up. You're like, you're negotiating, okay, the fan's on me. I have to go to the bathroom. I will be awake if I actually do this. So then yeah. you stall and you're awake anyway. So, so many variables that so, we did not have to deal with in our, before kids. Mm-hmm. So I was going to say in our 20s, but mm, some of us had kids in our 20s. So <laughs> In our single days. In our single right, exactly. Days. In our yes. single days. What are some things that you would tell midlife women to avoid doing before going to sleep to help them kind of get into that mode of sleep, of a deep sleep? Great question. 
Fantastic question. So um, several things. You know, I, I have to say, help your children learn to be good sleepers, number one. Otherwise, many women are falling asleep for a little period of time on their child's bed and then waking up and then trying to go to bed. And that's murder for sleep, you know. So helping your kids become good sleepers is fantastic, number one. Number two, your kids have a bedtime routine and so should you, right? Let's go back to Pavlov. If you do the same things in the same order, you teach your body, oh, right? This is what she does when she wants to go to sleep. I get it. She does A, B, C, D. And then, you know, if you ever notice by the time you put your robe on, you know, and, and find your novel, you're starting to get sleepy, right? So you should have a bedtime routine, number two. Number three, everyone has what's called sort of, I call it a drowsy window. So you have this little window of time that you're drowsy. It lasts about 20 minutes and then it's gone for about two more hours. Really? And we all know this because we've done all-nighters in college or gotten a second wind, people will call it, right? So you'll be drowsy and then somebody will convince you, you know, hey, let's watch the movie. And then you're wide awake, right, at midnight when you were drowsy at 10, for example. So pay attention to your drowsy window and try to try to catch it, right? Try to go to bed. Um, if I were to graph it in the air, right, it goes up like a wave and then it gets really flat and then you'll get another wave. If you try to go to sleep right here, you're in good shape. If you try to go to sleep down here, you're not sitting in such good shape. And many women especially will feel drowsy and then they'll think, uh-oh, I better make the lunches, clean up, you know, nobody likes to go to bed with anything in the sink or whatever. You're folding the quilt on the sofa, right? We all have these little things we do. But if you're not careful and those things last too long, you will miss it. You'll miss the window, right? Okay. So it's nice to sort of knock that stuff off before drowsiness might ever happen. Okay. It's good yeah. to know. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I know I when I was doing the research that it's common for us to wake up in the middle of the night. Some women think, oh, I'm in trouble now I'm waking up. But it's common for you to wake up a couple of times in the evening. You've nailed it, Colleen. Everyone wakes up two to six times. Huh. Two to six. And when you do that Pavlovian thing of sort of wake up and then catastrophize it. Right. Right. Then you've trained yourself to have this negative association with the waking. Waking's normal, normal, normal. It's probably adapted biologically for some reason. Maybe we needed to check the case. I don't know. But we, we wake up, right? We Women especially, we list, oh, what was that? You know, is the last one down in bed? You know, we wake up. And we would wake up if all the kids were gone from the house too. We would still wake up. So it matters a lot how you talk to yourself about that waking. And if you say to yourself, oh, yeah, that's one of my six, one of my four, or whatever it is. I, oh, yeah, that's normal. I can get back to sleep now. No worries. And I know what to do if I don't get back to sleep. I have a plan. Then that whole thing just makes your shoulders go lower, right? You're just more relaxed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. absolutely. Yeah, because when you were talking about the math and the adding, especially when I worked outside of the home, when I was teaching and I knew I had to be up at this time, and you would just take away those hours. Oh my gosh, it's one. I have to get up at five. And oh my gosh, can I make it? You know, those are those are so hard. And I know now I don't really have an issue with sleep now that I'm retired and I don't have to wake up. <laughs> Like the pressure's off. Right, right. And, and yeah, it definitely was more stressful when the pressure was on. You know, tomorrow I'm going to have an early wake day, but that's not my typical day. Correct. You know? Yeah, so I'm, I, can, I can get away with that for a day. Correct. Yeah. 
You also talk about core sleep. Can you explain what core sleep is? Yes, fantastic. So core sleep, and we can drop this in the show notes if you like, there's a, a thing called a hypnogram. And all that means is it's a little graph of normal sleep of a young adult over, over an eight-hour time frame. Okay. And what it'll show if you look at this, this particular graph is that you get your deep sleep. So you get, there's four kinds of sleep. Okay. Dream sleep, also called REM, right? Rapid eye movement sleep. And then stages one, two, and three, right? Some people say there's three and four, but let's just call it deep sleep. Okay. So there's REM sleep, light, medium, and deep sleep. All right. Deep sleep appears to be more important than REM because we get it first and we get it in the first half of the night. Okay. Okay. Then we start to sprinkle in longer and longer and longer dream periods, right? Until by the morning, it's almost all either dreams or light sleep dreams or light sleep. Like you're sort of skating over the pond towards the end of the night. Everyone sort of has that sense of like, you almost know what time it is. You almost know how much time there is left in your night and like that. So you get your deep sleep first and you get most of your REM sleep in the second half. And so the concept of core sleep is this great concept that um, helps people kind of relax about their sleep. And here's why. Core sleep is considered to be the first five and a half hours of sleep that you get in any given night, okay? So let's say, again, you're um, going to go to bed at 11 and you're going to get up at 6. By about 4 or 4.30, you've gotten all of your deep sleep and probably two or three cycles of dream sleep. And then if you were to wake up at 4 for whatever reason and didn't get to sleep all the way till 6, what you're missing is only probably a little more dream sleep and the lightest kind of sleep. So I always say in the first few hours of the night, you get all of your protein, three of your veggies, right? And some complex carbs. And then <laughs> if you get woken up at hour five and a half, you know, five, five and a half, what, what you're missing is one more veggie and some more complex carbs, do I want you to have more veggies and complex carbs and more sleep? Yes, of course I do. But could you get by on all your protein and three veggies? Yes, you could. And that mental shift of knowing that you're getting the most important stuff first and what you're losing is a little bit less important is amazing for your anxiety level. Definitely, because anxiety plays such a big role in insomnia. It's everything. It's Mm -hmm. Matter of fact, this leads me to want to tell you one of the, I think, the funniest research studies that was probably ever done in my field is called the cash price study. And they took wonderful sleepers and they put them in a sleep lab and hooked them all up and said, okay, guys, the first one of you to fall asleep gets cash. Go. And you can imagine, right? None of them could sleep. Right. These were the sleepers. So trying to sleep is almost like the death of sleep. Sunset Lake CBD is a farmer-owned small business that ships craft CBD products directly from their farm to your door. Sunset Lake CBD has something for everyone. They offer tinctures, edibles, salves, lotion, and coffee designed to help with sleep, stress, and sore muscles, and hot flashes. And you can use the code HFCT20 for 20% off your entire order. And Bridget and I have recently started using them and we love them. I'm a big fan of the salves. 
I like mm-hmm. the lotion and the salves, but you are really, you and your husband are huge oh, fans. My, we're the, we're the tincture fans and they have two tinctures. They have their CBD oil. It has 1500 milligrams of CBD in it. But one that we really use a lot is their CBD oil with melatonin. And they also have CBD for pets. So make sure to check out sunsetlakecbd.com HFCT20 for 20% off all products. Absolutely. And I, I know Colleen, for being around Colleen, that 10 o'clock, if, if you're someplace with her and it is 10 o'clock, you will see her eyelids just look like you know, a shade closing. Yes, yes. I, they, they I, really I say are. I close shop. You know how you draw the. She really the, does. You I can close see it. the shop. It, it is. Yeah, and that I have noticed that about her. Um, when we first started the podcast, I'd get a text. Now I I wouldn't hear it, but I'd get. Well, I a made three, sure you didn't have a. Yeah, yeah, yes. Three o'clock in the morning text. When I woke up, there would be text because an idea would come to her head. Yeah. And she texted, but it's, it's funny. My husband on the one hand though, he gets up at the same time. He gets up early and he gets up early on the weekends. Like clockwork. Like he it's, there's no sleeping in for him on the weekends. So it, it seems like that is working for him except for, you know, except for our cat. But um, <laughs> is that a good thing to do is to have set times? Yeah. Good sleepers go to bed at the same time, like Colleen, 10 o'clock. And they get up at the same time every day. Anybody you know who's a good sleeper is a very regular sleeper, right? And that whole catching up thing, teenagers do it, okay? But And that's because we set up our school year, where our school start times wrong, which parents really know. You know, it's the high school kids should be going later and the elementary kids should be going earlier, but that's, that's not... That's so true. Mm-hmm. You know, you won't talk to any sleep person who doesn't believe that because it's it's a fact. Oh, I was a teacher. I believed it. And I think they actually changed it for a year. And I remember parents were uh, wanting, I think they liked it because the high schoolers that were home with a young kid and the parent had to go to work, they were there yes. instead of the high school. Get, it, those, those little kids are up. They're awake. They're up. Send them to school at 530. They're fine. (laughs) (laughs) But the teacher isn't. Yes. No, teachers know. Anyone who works in education knows that it's the right, it would be the right decision to flip that. But anyway, uh, what I was going to say is that you can't really catch up on your sleep very well. All you really do is scramble your clock of what is her rise time? Gosh, I'm not sure because she got up five days in a row at six and then she got up two days in a row at nine you know, or eight, that's confusing to the brain. And if you do have a poor night of sleep, the very next night, your body does this unbelievably amazing thing where it adjusts the percentages of the kinds of sleep you get until you're caught up. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Wow. So if I hold my fingers up again, you know, REM one, two, you know, light, medium, deep, it steals the light sleep and pours it into the deep sleep bucket and the REM sleep bucket until you're caught up. Okay. That's very interesting. That is. You know, you don't really have to do this making up thing. Okay. So what about people who nap? How is that? (laughs) Nap is fine. A nap is fine as long as you take it at the right time for the right length. Okay. So everyone knows what melatonin is. Your body releases melatonin. It releases it quite a bit. in. So it's almost like a fish pattern. All right. So it releases a lot in the evening, peaks around midnight and tails off towards the morning. 
then it's kind of flat. And then you get a little bump of it in the afternoon between 12 and four. It's as if your body expects a nap. Many cultures have a nap, right? The siesta. Mm -hmm. And so if you take a nap between 12 and four and it's around 30 minutes or so, perfection. Okay. Your body expects it. It restores you and it does not ruin in any way your nighttime sleep. The way to ruin your nighttime sleep is to take a nap in the forbidden zone, we call it, which is dinner or later, right? That'll push your bedtime. Everybody knows that. You know, you ever fall asleep on the sofa after dinner and then you can't go to sleep. Or in the late morning, your body's not expecting a nap either. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's what I call optimal napping. Okay. Yeah. And, and I know, so I'm on uh, hormone replacement uh, and the progesterone, I didn't realize what was going on when I first was on progesterone. All of a sudden, the next afternoon at about 2.30, I was really struggling. Is that a, a thing? I, and then they asked me when I came back for more blood work, is the progesterone making you sleepy in the afternoon? And I said, okay, so that's what's happening. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, I, I cannot remember, I think... I probably was sleeping over 30 minutes, though. That is the problem. There. 32 an hour. You know, 32. 32 hour, okay. You don't, okay. A, you don't want a chunk long enough for your body to think, was that a part of my sleep? Was that a part of my night? You know? Okay. Okay. That's really good to know. For women who are just starting to notice a pattern of insomnia brewing and the anxiety starting to go up and it's starting to affect their ability to function during the day. What would kind of the first step? What would be the first thing they should try? Yeah, I would love it if they would go see a sleep doctor, of course. So every metropolitan area would have an accredited sleep center, right? You, You can look online and find an accredited sleep center. Most of them are accredited. And then you would go see that doctor and that doctor would be a physician or an APRN and they would check for any medical sleep disorder. Okay, so they would be asking you questions to elicit symptoms for sleep apnea or restless leg syndrome or anything like that, right? Even more rare sleep disorders, REM behavior disorder, narcolepsy, there are some that are much more rare, but they're looking really a lot at apnea or, you know, things with your cycle or your phase, right? If you're in menopause or perimenopause, restless legs, those would be sort of the high runners. And then if they don't find those, then they would send you to someone like me. So I'm a sleep psychologist. And then I would really dig down into everything we've just talked about, your sleep schedule, your sleep environment, who sleeps in your house, anything like that, stress levels, anxiety, depression, um, any of those things that that would be left usually to someone like me to unpack. And every accredited sleep center is required to have a sleep psychologist because it's so clear to the people that run sleep, the sleep medicine world that uh, a psychologist has a lot to offer, you know, really practical cognitive behavioral psychologist has a lot to offer to people who are struggling with sleep issues. Okay. That's good to know. That is good to know. Mm -hmm. People, Mm -hmm. so many women I know and men just ignore it until it's literally a point where they can't function. Yes, they, they take leaves of absence from work. Right. Mm-hmm. And the older, I've, I'm just finding the older I get, the more that my sleep is messed with, the worse it's going to be for me. The next day is not going to be good if I've had a yeah. really uh, bad sleep night. Yeah, it's so, the gas in your car, right? Yeah. yeah right, that's that true. Mm-hmm. That's a great analogy. So if we were to do 
a hypothetical sleep study with, let's say, a 26-year-old young woman who happens to um, really have trouble sleeping. And, you know, obviously they're in the middle of their 20s. She might be, oh, I don't know, applying to PhD programs, just got married, busy working full-time. In other words, guys, my daughter. Um, <laughs> and is really having trouble sleeping. And we think it might, she, she does have restless leg we're pretty sure because I'm still permanently bruised from when she was a child kicking me all the time. She always had restless legs, but what would you suggest for, cause there are a lot of women listening right now that have adult children that are stressed out of their minds right now. They're going up 900 miles an hour and they can't sleep. So what so would you recommend for someone who's out of the teen years, but not into our obvious stages of menopause? What would you yeah. suggest for them? I, she's, if she struggled with sleep for more than a few months, yes. right, I would have her seen in a sleep center, right? Okay. And I would have medical things ruled out. They'll do blood work for her legs. You already know that, right? They'll look for her ferritin levels, low iron, and they would supplement that if they need to. Um, and then they would have someone like me who would look at her from a behavioral point of view. And most people um, with insomnia, they have had it long enough to have associated their bed with stress and wakefulness and frustration. And it's my job to reassociate it, right, with relaxation and sleep and pleasant feelings. You know, Pavlov, he's famous for a reason, right? You mm -hmm. can have a very strong reaction that you've accidentally conditioned yourself to have. And then we even call it, we call it dread of the bed. Right. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's a, that might be the title of this episode. Dread of, Dread the, bed. of the bed. Yeah. Of that bed. Is, wow. Wow. Dread of the bed because yeah. you know, it's not going to go well there. You're right? already anxious about not being able to sleep. Yeah. And how awful to dread your bed. I know. I mean, I love, I think it was, oh gosh, it was several years ago. Uh, Paula Poundstone, the comedian was talking about uh, kids, she said, uh, I was at a friend's house and they told their kids they needed to go to bed and the kids started crying. And she said, who cries about going to sleep? <laughs> like, right. I mean, that's like your favorite thing in the world is to sleep. You I know. know. Just a really, the end of, yeah. Right? It's the end of yes. time, right? You do have those women in their forties who are, have decided to have kids later in life, which we talked about. Yeah. And they're, they're having three, four-year-olds, maybe more than one, and they're not sleeping. And they're going through possibly perimenopause at the same time. Do you have right. any suggestions for them besides moving out of the house and changing their name? <laughs> I was going to say, talk about a perfect storm, right? Right. That's a oh, storm. Yeah. yeah. I do. So parents do two things without, with great intentions that actually cause their children to be worse sleepers. And here's what they are. The first thing they do is they build a pattern where they lie down with their child at bedtime to help them relax and get to sleep. That's got a name. It's called a sleep crutch. It's actually called a sleep onset association, right? We're back to Pavlov as we always are in the world of sleep. Okay. So it's called a sleep onset association. Most people call it a sleep crutch. So they'll say, wow, my four-year-old goes to sleep like a dream. I lay down with her. I rub her back and she goes out like a light. And I say, yeah, I bet she does. And I bet you see her again, don't you? And they say, yeah, I do, because 
Four-year-olds wake up two to six times a night. And when they wake up to a dark, empty room without mom and her nice back rub, something's missing. And what's missing is that thing that helped you to fall asleep. And so you're going to see her. Let's call her, you know, Sarah. You're going to see Sarah again, either calling out to you or crying or coming down to your room. And she's going to want to be physically next to you with maybe a back rub again, right? So that's sort of mistake number one. And I'm a parent of three. I get it how cozy it is to to cuddle your child at night. It's awesome. But you really want to work your way out of there before they're asleep, you know, all the way to sleep. You don't want to carry them all the way to dreamland. So that's um, mistake number one. And mistake number two is granting all those requests that you start to get when the lights go out right? And it's another drink of water, check under my bed. I forgot to hug the dog. I forgot to kiss dad on the forehead, right? Like whatever it is. Okay. And, um, my girls do theater. So I nickname those callbacks and curtain calls. <laughs> great. That's, that's, that's great. awesome. They are right. So they'll call you back or you think they're asleep and you're in the you know living room and they show up and make a curtain call and they let you know, I'm st- oh, PS, I'm still awake. I'm not tired at all. And so there's a great trick for both of those things. So I'll take the second one just because we just finished talking about it, right? Those extra requests. There's a great trick called a bedtime ticket. I didn't make it up. It's an old technique. And you give your child a couple of tickets when you're ready to leave their room. They can be post-it notes, index cards that you glittered up or poker chips, anything. And let's call her Sarah, right? You give Sarah two chips and you head on out. That's like you're not laying with Sarah, right? This is the other issue. And Sarah says, can uh, can you come check under my bed? And you say, yep, but that costs a ticket now, Sarah. And then you take her ticket, you give a check and give her a kiss on the head. Now you go, right? And then she says, I forgot to hug the dog. And you bring in the dog and she hugs the dog and you take the ticket. And then Sarah's out of tickets, right? And then you say to Sarah, this is how I fix problem number one, where you're laying with Sarah, I have you read with Sarah and she's still awake. And then before she's sleepy, you give Sarah her own little basket. I call it a bedtime basket. It might have a picture book, might have to date myself, Polly Pockets. It might have, um, you know, a couple stuffed animals. And then you would say to Sarah, hey, we're all done with reading. I'm not going to lay in your bed anymore. I'm going to sit in a chair nearby. I'm going to read my own Kindle. You play with stuff in your basket or look at your book with a little bitty light, you know, a little bitty reading light until you're drowsy, but we're not going to talk and I'm not going to lay in your bed anymore. And Sarah's got something to do. So she's not so anxious. Right. Right. And then you're sort of ignoring her and you've got something to do your work or your book or whatever. And then you just walk that chair out slowly. And then if Sarah talks to you, you say, oh, it costs a ticket for me to talk to you or grant a request or whatever. And so those are just some really simple ways that I help kids learn to self-soothe. And I kind of get the parents out of that treadmill of granting a whole bunch of requests. That I, go back, back. Yeah. <laughs> I go back yes. to I wish your book was out when I had um, because... I, my son used to grab my arm and I would lay down with him until he was completely asleep and I think I was getting out and his arm would come up and grab me. <laughs> what I nightmares are not going anywhere. <laughs> you know, he, he had a really all, strong I, arm. Yeah, yeah. we're <laughs> to like twirl their mom's hair or wrap right. their, you know, I call it an anchoring behavior because you don't want your sleep crutch to leave, right? So you, mm-hmm. you got to hold my hand, mom, or you got to rub my back, dad. And it's just a way for them to know, hey, she's not sneaking out on me. 
right? Mm -hmm. They Mm -hmm. kind of learn to need you, right? Yeah. So did we traumatize the kids that we let cry now? Because <laughs> That's what's my, my, my pediatrician always said, because my oldest had trouble from the beginning, had trouble sleeping. And they said, you know, do the five minute little egg timer. And at five minutes, go outside the room and say, you're fine. You're fine. And then, you know, seven minutes. Meanwhile, she's hanging from the gate that you put in front of the door. My daughter actually fell asleep hanging from the gate. And the pediatrician said, put a blanket down. She won't do it again. I love your pediatrician. I love your pediatrician. I love her. And no, you did not traumatize your children because they're not neglected children. They're beloved children, right? Right. And so the stuff you read on the dark corners of the internet, you know, okay, there are orphanages in Romania and your house is not one of them. Right, right. You're just saying to your daughter, you know what? You need your sleep. I need mine play with your animals, go, go to sleep. I'll see you in the morning. I can't wait to see you in the morning. There's nothing traumatic about that. Oh, good. You know, you see all the stuff about supplements and I've hear, I hear horror stories about Ambien um, that have happened to people I know. So I'm just curious, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So to me, melatonin is the thing I get asked about the most, right? Okay. And your body makes it. So it's not heroin for heaven's sakes, right? Your body makes it. But the thing is that I think it's better to fix the problem at the source, right? So a lot of parents try melatonin for their children and they'll say, well, she falls asleep more quickly. Yeah, she does. But she still comes down the hall to find you, doesn't she? Yeah, she does. Because when the melatonin wears off, you really didn't do the work of teaching her to self-soothe, right? With the book and the book light. And so she's going to still come find you. You just sort of fix the bedtime issue, but you're not going to fix the waking issue. And I find that's true for adults too. Maybe it helps you fall asleep more quickly, but you still might wake. So I still really love the approach of fixing it really from the bottom up and not with a Band-Aid, so to speak. Okay. Now, yeah. having that's great advice. That, Yeah. Having said that, there's something called the rescue protocol, which means that you have some kind of sleep aid that you feel okay about, and it's in your medicine cabinet, okay? It could be Benadryl, it could be melatonin, could even be some very mild, mild sleep aid. Um, I hear the same stories you hear about Ambien, of course, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But there are some sleep aids out there, and you would have it in your medicine cabinet, and what you would do is you would use it only after two poor nights of sleep in a row. Okay. Okay. So Monday's bad and Tuesday's bad, which PS it might not be because Monday was bad. Mm-hmm. Right. And then Wednesday you could take your, let's say over the counter something. And then you still have to wait two more nights before you're eligible, right. To take your, your sleep aid again. And that's such an elegant protocol because you'd never use it more than twice a week with that rule. And, you know, I have something I could use in a pinch if I have two poor nights, then the third night, I really want to sleep. And I have this thing that I use. So okay. we, we and that, that takes the pressure off of you because you know, you're going to sleep, which so much of it is your psychological makeup yep. that you might fall asleep the second night, knowing that, uh Oh, if I don't sleep, I have something there. That's going to help me. If it, yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. You're, you're back to what you said. So smartly Colleen, it's, it's a mental game, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. It's managing your anxiety because you have tools to manage it with. 
Linnell, thank you so much for coming on the show. I cannot tell you how helpful this was. Yes, yes. Make sure, guys, to check out her book. Like I said, she's the author of Become Your Child's Sleep Coach, The Bedtime Doctor's Five Sets Sleep Guide from Ages 3 to 10, which I I might just keep in the house anyway. Yeah. <laughs> We hope to have grandchildren, grandchildren someday, and we'll probably be watching them. So, right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, the, and a lot of our listeners are grandparents. So there you yes. go. Now you have advice for your children. But also, it's it's such people take sleep for granted, and when you can't sleep, it affects every aspect oh, of your life. Everything. I'll tell you. Yeah, yeah. Sleep and good fitting shoes. There you go. <laughs> if you if you can get your sleep in good fitting shoes, you are set. You are no, set. You're right. I tell people sleep deprivation is how we torture people. Right. Oh, oh yeah, true. absolutely. Brainwashing, everything right. like it's, that. Torture. It's a terrible thing, and we don't want that to be true for anybody. That's right. Um, That's there's right. There's help out there. All of your information in the show notes. So if people want to find you, they will be able to have your website and everything in there. But we appreciate your time today. Thank you so much. Thank you. you. Thanks for talking about sleep. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you so much, Dr. Schneeberg, for being on our show today. You gave such great tips. I, I really am hoping that our listeners get lots of helpful information and put it to use. And I hope that every one of you gets a better night's sleep from now on just using these tips. I know that I'm using some of the tips that she said in the recording and, you know, just different things, the the waking up, you know, to make it okay to say it's okay to wake up two to six times. And and the number, yeah, the number of times that you wake up, don't worry about that. You're going to be okay. That we all do it and you're going to be all right if you do it. And, And it's normal to do that. So you're going to be fine. Don't dread the bed. You know, exactly. <laughs> don't dread the bed. And, you know, just, I just really hope, you know, with the stimulus or with the uh, sleep aids as well, just waiting, you know, you know, what's there. You don't have to use it every night, but just the comfort of knowing that, okay, if you go a few nights and you haven't slept well, you've got that in your back pocket that you could use. So just, this has just been such great advice. And don't forget to follow us on all social media. We uh, record most of our episodes and put them on YouTube so you can catch us there. Uh, Go to our website. You can listen to us on any place that you listen to podcasts. And just check out, we also have... um, a little brands that we like to use. So we have that on our website as well. So go over there and check out what we have. And also don't forget our gift guide. And don't forget we are on our last day of our giveaway. So many things to remember. I know, I know. And it may be hard to remember if you're not getting sleep. So make sure that's right. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Thank you guys so much for listening this week. We appreciate everyone who takes the time every week. We have such loyal listeners and we appreciate all of you. So please know that. Have a great week of shopping and getting ready for your holiday season. And we will talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.